Big Fluff. As I have gone alone in there, and with my treasures bold, I can keep my secrets where, and hints of riches new and old. Begin it where warm waters halt, and take it in the canyon down. Not far, but too far to walk. Put in below the home of brown. From there, it's no place for the meek. The end is drawing ever nigh. There'll be no paddle up your creek, just heavy loads and water high. If you've been wise and found the blaze, look quickly down your quest to cease. But Terry's scant with marvel gaze, just take the chest and go in peace. So why is it that I must go and leave my trove for all to seek? The answer I already know, I've done it tired and now I'm weak. So hear me all and listen good, your effort will be worth the cold. If you are brave and in the wood, I give you the title to the gold. Curioso. A curioso is someone who inquires in esoteric matters. A collector of knowledge. Curioso Podcast. Well, hey, Joe. Howdy, Chris. How's things treating you? Uh, they're treating me rather well. Are you? Yeah. You doing good? Yeah. Awesome. Couldn't be better. You know, did we discuss the burn supper that we had at your house last time? <laughs> I or? don't think we did. We we can discuss it a little bit. Yeah, real sure. quick as like so a captain's log. Yeah. Why? <laughs> no, what, what, now you're messing me up. What do we actually call it? Uh, uh, journal entry. Journal entry. Journal yes. entry. We had burn supper mm-hmm. over at Joe's house. That's right. Uh, in attendance were lots of people that you may know. Of course, my lovely wife Dana. She's mm-hmm. been on the podcast. Right. Uh, if you are a watcher of our movies, our short films. Mm-hmm. Uh, you might know uh, Joe's lady, mm-hmm. Jenny. Uh, she was also there in right. attendance. Uh, she's uh, she's been a few other a few things. Uh, she was the the voice of the computer, right? In uh, what is uh, the Galactica? Galactica. Yeah. yeah, she was Galactica, right? Yeah, yeah. And then uh, she she was also uh, what was her character in the Fist? Honey, Honey Lovegood, <laughs> something. Carol Curious. Carol Curious. Carol right. Curious yes. in uh, in the fist. Yeah, mm-hmm. she was also there. Also in attendance, uh, we had uh, Mr. Lars Periwinkle. We did indeed. And uh, and his lovely lady Stacy came by, uh, mm-hmm. as well as Patrick Stork, right, uh, from Experts of Nothing. Mm-hmm. We had Jonathan Marty, yeah. from uh, We Have to Ask, yeah. And uh, and lots of other assorted people who we did we some had, of which I didn't know. We so. had a lot of people in my house. It we, was crazy. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. And uh, I think between it was about 19, 20 people. Yeah, at least because we yeah. were looking for shot glasses to all do the um, the toast the toast uh-huh. after the poem addressed to a haggis. Right. Which I did. Did I do an okay job? You did. You did better this year than you probably have ever. Really? Yeah. I had a few compliments. Yeah. No, you were on top of it. Yeah. Good. It was it was absolutely a uh, a wonderful time. Mm-hmm. I, I noticed at some point I was talking to people and they were smiling at me mm-hmm. and I was wondering why they're smiling. I couldn't figure it out. And then I realized, oh, I'm slurring. I am absolutely <laughs> hammered right now. Right. And uh, I don't usually get like that. Like when I drink, I you know, I have a couple a of few, drinks. Yeah. But I don't get 
hammered and I was right. hammered. I spent, we, Dana and I spent the night at your house. You, you did. You had that to. Night. Yeah. yeah. But the haggis was good. Yeah. Oh yeah. Both. And, uh, the... and you brought, uh, you brought blood sausage this time. Yeah. I had some boudin noir. Yeah. I didn't touch that. No, you didn't. No. But some <laughs> people were so nice that they actually brought some salads too. Like, like, did, like to, just to break up all the fatty fried things that yeah, I made. Yeah. You made fried Mars bars. Yeah, I did. Fried oh. Mars bars. I made two different kinds of bannock. There were scotch eggs of both types. Of a uh, vegetarian and non-vegetarian. Right. We had oat cakes and what, four or five different uh, Scottish cheeses. Yeah, I got the Scottish cheese course from Scottish S- Gourmet. Scottish cheese. Yeah, man, um, I, we, why don't they sponsor us? I know. Every Come year on. we buy we buy haggis a from them. A lot of shit from them. <laughs> <laughs> but there were Guinness chips and haggis chips and... Uh, I, okay, so this year... Your favorite thing that I've, I make every year for this mm-hmm. is the whiskey mustard cream sauce. Oh, it's the best. It's so the first year, the I made like a cup of it. Mm-hmm. And every year since, it's what, going on five years, yeah. it has increased like twofold. So this year, I think I made like five and a half, six cups of right. this stuff. And the, the funny thing was, is that end of the party, all everything's said and done. I think there was a cup left. And that's it. It's because it's so good. <laughs> it was you awesome. can use it for salad dressing. You can use it Everything. for haggis dressing, whatever you want. Drink it. Yeah. Put a shot of whiskey in it. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I did a back to back. I did a, sh- a shot of scotch with a whiskey mustard sauce back. Awesome. Yeah, it was great. But, you know, I, w- I was going to say this is our fifth year that we've done this now, mm-hmm. right? Which means that we've been doing this podcast for at least five years. Yeah, it's crazy. That's insane. So yeah. if you ever get a chance and a hankering to go back and listen, Do you this. can hear the very first Burn Supper episode uh-huh. because we did it on the podcast. Yeah. You know, that was what we consider the very first one. So we recorded it while we were discussing what the haggis tasted like mm-hmm. and talking about Robert Byrne. So go back and listen to that when you get a chance because it is, it is a, it's a pretty good one. Yeah. Memories. Memories. And we've been doing it for five years now. Right. Because of that. So mm-hmm. yeah, we keep traditions going here we at try. The Curioso. We really do try. So speaking of Ode to a Haggis, mm-hmm. okay, a poem by Robert Burns. Right. We're kicking off this episode by a poem by Forrest Fenn. Right. We're going to get into his life a little bit and uh, and exactly why we're talking about Forrest Fenn. Why are we talking about Forrest Fenn? Well, mostly we're talking about Forrest Fenn because Forrest Fenn is a rich dude mm-hmm. who has taken some of his riches and hidden it amongst the things. <laughs> amongst uh, um, the He things. hid it amongst some Rockies, probably by some pine trees, where Maybe. you can see animals. Maybe. And you can see water. And you can see the great outdoors. Mm-hmm. Forrest Fenn was, is, he's what, 87 now? Something like that, yeah. yeah. A collector, a writer, a amateur archaeologist, retired from the Air Force in 1970, and in 1972, he opened an art gallery in Santa Fe, New Mexico with his wife. With no college or business school under his belt, he slowly began to learn the ups and downs of the art world and how fickle it can be, I guess. <laughs> because yeah. you read some of his memoirs and he's like, I didn't like that painting. But then I got one <laughs> and people were buying them for like $10,000 a piece. So he just he didn't know. Yeah. Like he I- had no clue. 
how that stuff worked. I wanted to also mention I had, I wa- I, I've watched so in preparation for this, I've watched like a lot of different interviews with him, mm-hmm. you know, with different people like the Santa Fe News and stuff like that, because that's where he lives. Right. Currently is in Santa Fe, New Mexico. Mm-hmm. One of the things that he was saying, he had a really hard time in Vietnam mm-hmm. because uh, when he was in the Air Force, he actually was shot down and and had his to make his way back. You know, mm-hmm. and then, you know, so when he got back, he he was having some problems, you know what right. I mean? I guess PTSD sort of. Yeah, yeah. You know, stuff like that. So so when he came back stateside, he decided to move to a place where where he could be healed mentally. OK. And the only place that he thought that would be like that would would be kind of where he grew up in the Rockies, mm-hmm. you know? So mm-hmm. he, he he already had that connection from there growing up and he just wanted to move back there and and feel that like connection with nature. Okay. He seems to really be into that. Yeah. If you, again, if you read some of his memoirs now, I haven't read any of his books. He does have several. I've read excerpts and a few paragraphs and things here and there. It seems like he spent most of his childhood kind of how I did, you Mm -hmm. know, out in the woods, exploring, doing silly, dumb teenage things and just having fun being a kid. He seems like kind of like a Teddy Roosevelt type. Yeah. You know what I yeah, mean? Just like much. the great outdoors, you know, yeah. punching buffalo, you know what <laughs> right. I mean? Like that kind of sex with bears. And, you know what I mean? Yeah. That, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, he is still alive, Joe. You might want to recant oh, that last okay. statement. You, you know, Maybe he didn't fondle a bear. Are you thinking about Tormund the, 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 <laughs> from thinking? Game of Thrones? Yeah. <laughs> So anyway, in his early years having this art gallery, he found it rather hard to sort of learn the ebb and flow of the art world. So, but he did learn some skills where buying more and more expensive art pieces and getting more notoriety from the art world with his expertise. It was a slow start, mm-hmm. but he did learn. He found a niche where it was mostly Western style, historical, Native American artifacts and stuff like that. So he found a niche market that he was good at. Right. Because he understood it. He cared about the Native American cultures. A lot of the art coming from that area. Mm-hmm. It's, it's kind of like writing what you know. Right. You and know, I, He knew that art. He knew those artifacts. He knew the people in the area around him. So he sold that stuff. Total disclaimer here, Joe, neither of us have actually read any of his books. And I am sad about that, that we're doing this episode ahead of that. But Mm. I just was really fascinated by this. And some recent events that we're probably going to get to later Mm. uh, leads us to why we're discussing it now. Right. So, and I would say also that one of the reasons why I wanted to do this is we haven't done like a, like a cool mystery episode probably since we did like Oak Island. Yeah. Which, which was like, I think somewhere like in our first year of doing it. So I I just was like really itching to get back to like a mystery. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like a, (laughs) like a, You and your accents. Accents? <laughs> an accent. Impressions. Impressions. You and your impressions. My Scooby accent. Your Scooby accent. Because where's, where's Scooby from? Anyway, it doesn't matter. All right. <clears throat> okay. So, in 1988, he ended up selling his art gallery. I guess just kind of got tired, worn out of just selling art stuff. Mm-hmm. But he had gained enough notoriety in the, the community where he ended up opening an antique dealer shop antique curator yeah shop Mm -hmm. yeah so it it's it's more expanded than just the art so it can be pottery it could be blankets it could be new old modern 
anything he wanted to because it's an antique dealer shop. Right. One of, one of the really cool things that I remember hearing from one of the interviews was he was talking about the very first thing that he ever found was a mm-hmm. a tiny little arrowhead. Right. And he said that kind in of – In the dirt. It, it sort of solidified his passion for just antique stuff. Right. Just yeah. old things, history. Yeah. And, and, and just kind of like expanding on that, he said he's gone over to Europe a lot and even like places in the Middle East where he's – he searched for antiques and things like that. And as he's driving down the road, you'll see like a burnt out tank sitting there, you mm-hmm. know, and like they'll see German war hel- helmets and stuff like that from World War II. Mm-hmm. But amongst those, if you you kick around and you're looking around, he would also find arrowheads amongst <laughs> those ruins. Right. You know, the right. modern ruins of, of war. Mm-hmm. So literally seeing like these antiques that are wars on top of wars, right? you know, right. And, and I think that's what kind of goes back to what we were talking about, the healing, mm-hmm. you know, that he needed, you know, moving back to, to, to New Mexico. Right. I, I think the whole world needs that a little bit right now. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? We, we need some comfort food. You <laughs> right. know what I mean? Like, and, and I, I don't know. It just, I, I think he's a kind of fascinating guy. Yeah, definitely. Also... In 1988, right after he started his antique dealer business, leaving the art gallery world, he found out that he had cancer. So he decided, I guess, in a moment of, I don't know, maybe despair, worry, shock, who knows. Maybe a bit of uh, wanting to leave uh, some sort of a legacy. Maybe, yeah. He decided to come up with this grand scheme of a treasure hunt. So he took a 10 by 10 by 6 Roman chest. It's like a Romanesque chest Romanesque, is where, yeah. where, I've, where I've heard about it. Right. What I actually saw is that it dates back to 1150 AD mm-hmm. is, is what, what they think that the chest Roman dates back to. Roman style chest. Right, yes. right. A Roman style chest that mm-hmm. I believe was in, what's 1150 AD? Is that the Middle Ages? Yeah. And it is a 100% bronze chest and, and he filled it. Go ahead. I'll let you go. <laughs> so he took the chest and he filled it with... Treasure. Treasure. Now, again, he, Booty. He's, he's an antique dealer, so he's had enough time since 1972 to acquire lots of antiques and knickknacks with just being in the art world and also loving antiques by himself. Right. So he filled the chest with a collection from, from those years with everything from pre-Columbian jewelry, which is dating before 1492, mm-hmm. before Columbus, gold nuggets the size of goose eggs, ancient jade carvings, emeralds, diamonds, and, of course, an autographed copy of his brand new book at the time called The Thrill of the Chase. Right. I like the fact that, uh, so he has two antique jade carvings in there, okay? Mm-hmm. Hand-carved yeah. jade carvings. I mean, just that it's not just, I believe that there's some diamonds that are supposed to be in there. Yep. I said diamonds. Some rubies that are supposed to be in there. I didn't see rubies. They're emeralds. Em- emeralds? Is yeah. it diamonds and emeralds? Probably. No, no rubies? I mean, oh, who come knows? on, Forrest. You could throw some rubies <laughs> in there. Who knows? And there's also supposed to be a a bracelet that I, right. I heard that uh, I believe it's, is it made of like topaz or something? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That, if it's uh, Native American, it's probably topaz. Yeah. yeah and and it's that's made out of, the, the hinges on the bracelet are made out of stainless steel. Mm-hmm. And the reason he, he decided to throw that in, it, it was from an old friend of his that, was a, that right. was a painter. It was his wife's and they were doing some trading back and forth. Mm-hmm. And is it Sloan? 
was the guy's name? I, he I was believe a, so, he was yeah. a he was a painter. He was mm-hmm. like 25 years older than him back mm-hmm. in the 80s. They were trading stuff back and forth and he really wanted this diamond mm-hmm. that was apparently like something like 32 carat it was huge apparently right. it was like two carats smaller than the hope diamond <laughs> right which i mean like we talked about the hope diamond on i think one of our cursed episodes mm-hmm. i think because mm-hmm. it's we we heard that it was cursed right so he wanted this diamond and traded a whole bunch of money for it mm-hmm. you know and also this topaz bracelet right and uh he put that into the chest and one of the things that he he did was he put it into a, a Ziploc bag. Mm-hmm. And the reason why he did that is he said because the stainless steel might start to tarnish after a few centuries. <laughs> right. I just love that he said after a few centuries, mm-hmm. if nobody finds this thing, it, it might start to tarnish. It might, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It just kind of gets me. All said, the Roman chest filled with this treasure that he decided to stash somewhere for this treasure hunt. All you want to say buried, don't you? I, I you really say want buried. to say buried. I want to say he buried uh, the treasure, but he specifically says it's not. Right. Anyway, we'll get into that. Its estimated value is anywhere from I think I saw seven hundred and fifty thousand to two million dollars. Right. So that's an estimated, depending on how much gold is worth and yada yada yada, throughout the years. Right now, I think it's on the higher end, mm-hmm. near the two million dollar mark. Right. And uh, one of the things that, that Forrest always says every time he has an interview is that uh, the uh, the chest always seems to gain a million dollars every time it gets reported <laughs> on. Mm-hmm. It's, it goes to two million and then to three million. Right. And then now other people like have estimated million. it like five million dollars right, or something right. like that. He actually planned this, planned on having, I guess, one last adventure for himself mm-hmm. with with doing this whole thing. And then also giving someone else... An adventure in finding it. Right. But Well, giving a lot of people an adventure. Well, yes. It's a, because. Yeah, but he, it was sort of this morbid thing where he pretty much expected to die with this treasure because right. he was afraid of the cancer and he, he thought it was a very grim prognosis. Yeah. He, he originally he thought long. he was literally going to take this out into the middle of the woods somewhere. Right. Stash it wherever he was going to stash it and then die next to it. Right. That's what he thought. Right. He ended up beating the cancer, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, which is pretty miraculous because I'm pretty sure that he had pancreatic cancer. Yes. Yeah, it was it was a pancreatic cancer, which, I mean, one of my uncles had pancreatic cancer. Right. Yeah, I mean, he was in the military. Of course, he sm- smoked like a chimney in his younger days. Right. But, uh, but, you know, he didn't make it through that. Right. You know, and a lot of people don't. And it's pretty amazing that he was able to actually beat that. It's funny because the treasure sat in his study... For something like 20 years, mm-hmm. uh, covered in like a, a, a red handkerchief yeah, that yeah. a friend gave him. A red bandana, he wrapped it up in it and, yeah. and tied it. And he's like, uh, I'll get to that. Yeah. Maybe. Did we say the dimensions of it? Yeah, 10 by 10 by 6. Ten, yeah, so 10 inches by 10 inches by 6 inches high. By 2010, he chose to finally carry out his plan. So what did he do? He packed the chest up. He drove somewhere out in the Rocky Mountains. And placed the chest in an unknown location. Mm-hmm. He wrote a 24-line poem containing nine clues as to the chest's whereabouts. Right, which I believe that you might have heard at the top of the hour. But before we get into the clues, let's talk a little bit about Forrest's early life. At 16, he and a friend went on just this random hunt for a Lewis and Carroll trail. Mm-hmm. Now, Lewis and Carroll were trailblazers of their day trying to find different paths across the country, right? 
mapping as they went, finding streams, hills, valleys, mountain ranges, and stuff like that. So he was trying to find the trail that they took, Mm -hmm. him and his buddy. And they were just on the outside, the west side of Yellowstone near Gatlin National Forest that runs through the Rocky Mountains. They took three Baby Ruth candy bars apiece, a shotgun, a bedroll each, some fly rods, a knife, and some matches. And that's what they took. And that's it. Yeah. And they, they just brought the three Baby Ruths apiece so that in case they felt like having some chocolate along them. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they do have, you know, peanuts, protein, sugars. Uh, that's about it, right? Yeah, I kind some of protein and sugar. I kind of want a baby Ruth right now. Do you? Yeah. So the whole endeavor was was a series of like minor disasters. It seems like so they couldn't start several of their fires for the first few days because most of the stuff was either wet or they didn't have enough kindling or the ma- matches were going out and they were running low of matches anyway, so they didn't want to keep trying. Right. Sometimes I can't even light. My backyard fire pit. So I get it. Yeah. And you're out in the middle of the woods Mm -hmm. and you're a 16 year old and it's like, what, 1940 something, 1950 (laughs) something. They didn't have enough food or water for either one of them really to to last more than a couple of days. They both got saddle sores because they they did have two horses. Uh Uh, Apparently Forrest's horse didn't like him too much. (laughs) (laughs) They got lost for six days after his friend's stirrup broke on his horse Mm -hmm. his friend basically was yelling and screaming at Forrest and he was like you couldn't find your dick with all the lights on and both hands (laughs) he's like we are so lost (laughs) they did however find a stream and follow it pretty much all the way down to a park ranger station for Yellowstone okay where, so, they, so they got they got somewhere. Right, right. Uh, where the ranger gave them directions and they had to heads down, find their way home from there. But it's just, it's like I remember doing that kind of stuff right. when I was a kid. Going off in the woods with my little tent and, and just whatever. Finding a spot. Yeah, for a few days, being crazy and falling out of trees and stuff. That's what I did. So imagine doing it back then where there wasn't all of the things that there are now. Yeah, like you, you didn't have the opportunity to run into a gas station, right, you know what I mean, right. and get a cup of coffee you or whatever. You couldn't see lights from anywhere close by. Yeah. So the, the cool thing was, mind you, he was 16. So once he made it home, he actually took down some notes, mm-hmm. sort of a reminder. Next time you do this, look at these notes, <laughs> stating that they might be helpful if any future 16-year-old genius wanted to look for Lewis and Clark. Hunger is both unrelenting and unreasonable. You can't hide from thunderstorms. Porcupine meat tastes like kerosene. (laughs) (laughs) Coffee made from boiled pine needles can bring on cardiac arrest. What? (laughs) (laughs) There's nothing worse than a wet bedroll on a cold night. Yeah, I'm sure about that. that. I can tell you. Mountains can suffer instant personality reversals. (laughs) (laughs) The older you get, the smarter your parents become. Mm -hmm. And last, movies lie to you. (laughs) (laughs) Words of wisdom for going out in the woods. Some of Forrest Fenn's friends, acquaintances, and customers Mm -hmm. for his antique dealer shop and even the art gallery. That's right. I heard that uh, some of the stuff that he 
that he acquired mm-hmm. were for some uh, pretty famous people. Yeah, people like Steven Spielberg, mm-hmm. Gerald Ford, Gerald Ford, John Connolly, the former Texas governor at the time, David and Peggy Rockefeller, which that's the funny story. So they came into his antique shop, mm-hmm. and Peggy Rockefeller was looking for a pair of moccasins, like Native American moccasins. Right. And he was like, these, these are antiques. They're not for wearing. You, mm-hmm. you buy them as an art piece, basically, an antique. And she proceeded to try on, Ooh. like, all of these <laughs> antique <laughs> moccasins and basically finally picked a pair uh-huh. and told her husband, okay, we found them. Pay for those. And then through her, I don't know if they're coochie or Mata or what, whatever kind of brand shoes she was wearing at the time. Yeah. Basically chucked them in the trash. And her husband, David Rockefeller, paid for probably an obscenely expensive pair of antique Native American moccasins. That and she, she was walked out with. Wear. Right. She walked out and then tossed her expensive ones in the trash. And Forrest said that he's glad his wife wasn't there because she would have been trampled by the other lady employees who dove for the trash can <laughs> to get the expensive <laughs> shoes out after the Rockefellers left. So here's the question with those shoes. Uh-huh. Is it just that they're expensive shoes and you plan on wearing them? Or just the fact that it was worn by Mrs. Rockefeller? I don't know. And and that's another... I mean, it's probably an added bonus that you have Rockefeller stink on your shoe? Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. But I mean, who? whatever. Funny story. Yeah. They came in and she wanted this unique antique pair of native american moccasins so joe there's like there's a couple ways that you can live your life but one of the things that i've always liked is to try and live your life for the story (laughs) live your life for the story that you can tell about it later sure you know i mean sometimes yeah you you could break an arm doing it or whatever but sometimes it's it's about living your life for the story eventually yeah (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, also people like Bella Abzug. She was a lawyer and the leader of the women's movement in 1971. Jackie Kennedy. Oh, yeah? Yeah. She actually stayed at a bed and breakfast that he ran as part of the antique dealer's shop. Yeah. But he's had a myriad of people that he's either running with or was uh, acquired with. Acquired things for. Yeah. 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 So it's, it's like he's not just some guy. Who had an interesting past? He continues to have an interesting right. like every day. Like yeah. it seems like he is, I don't know, sort of akin to uh, an Indiana Jones type, right? But sort of a self-made Indiana Jones type, mind you. No college. Yeah, no, I, he yeah he didn't go to college. Like right. he had some training in the military. Yeah, but that's, military training. Yeah. Uh, but no schooling. Yeah, no, just a lust. And a, a love of antiques and history. Yeah, just a, a self-made millionaire, mm-hmm. basically, yeah. We Have to Ask. It's the podcast where we answer the question, are you going to eat that? What will you leave behind? Why get out of bed? Will you be our neighbor? I'm Marty. And I'm Jonathan. We're two hosts. Infinite Universes. We, we have, have to, to Ask. New interviews every Tuesday. Find us on iTunes or online at wehavetoask.com or with the other great podcasts on the Peaksloth Network at peaksloth.com. Do we want to break down the poem? Do we want to uh, try doing that? If if you want. I mean, lots of people have tried to break it down, Joe. So <laughs> That is true. You know, I mean, it, there's, there's a lot about it. What is it, 24 lines? 24 lines. And supposedly there are nine clues to the treasure's whereabout within those 24 lines. Right. So the question is, is what lines are 
actually clues. Right. There's lots of different interpretations of it. Here's one interpretation that I got from fenclues.com. From start to beginning, you have to begin where the warm waters halt. Okay. Okay. The second would be the canyon down. It's too far to walk. The third would be put in below the home of Brown. Mm-hmm. Number four, no place for the meek. Number five, end is ever drawing nigh. Number six, no paddle up your creek. Number seven, heavy loads, high water. Number eight, the blaze. And number nine, quickly look down. Hmm. And then cease. Like cease your... Like stop. You're, stop. you're there. You're there. Right. So uh, so do you want to start at the at the beginning and kind of go through them? Sure, this go is ahead. The, I think this is the general accepted idea, right? Yeah. Well, that's the thing. It's like there's so many armchair quarterback research detective people trying to find this thing. Right, right. Like, I, I don't know. It seems like, yeah, maybe this is the consensus, but maybe it's completely wrong. Yeah, that's, <laughs> so, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, maybe you just don't. And, and he's, he's talked about the different clues. And he's mm-hmm. saying, he's like, you're never going to find the blaze, okay? Which mm-hmm. is, you know, is, is like clue number eight. Or right. Whatever. You're never going to find the blaze unless you at least solve the first two clues. Right. Well, you can't know where you're going from... If you're looking for an X marks spot, you have to know where the beginning is. Right. You to need to know it. where the where to find the beginning of the treasure map. Right. Right? If mm-hmm. you can't even orient your map <laughs> right. to the directions, then you don't know where to go. Right. And uh, one of the things that he had talked about a lot is that, and, and written about, was what he did when he decided to hide this, mm-hmm. you know, twenty after 20 years of it sitting in his study, okay? Mm-hmm. He drove to where he was going to hide it. Mm-hmm. He walked there. Mm-hmm. He dropped it off, and then, and this is at, like, he was 80, 82, right, something like yeah, that, 80, yeah. or, 80 or 82 years old. It can't be so far that an 80-year-old man can't get to it. Right. Okay? I know, know some pretty spry 80-year-old people. Okay, but I'm saying he's not repelling and stuff, like oh, trying no, to break no, a no, hit. no, 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 You know, he is, I mean, he's not white water rafting. And he's, he didn't bury it. Mind he did yeah it's i mean he well he didn't specifically say he did I and know. he didn't specifically I say know. he didn't it's like is it in a cave right is it in like a hollowed out tree like, yeah. like you don't know where it is right generally the accepted idea is you need to begin where the warm waters halt okay now a lot of people have interpreted that to mean say like a, there's a, a few different lakes and and we're we're talking about the area basically around yellowstone we're talking about the Rocky Mountains going all the way from, what is it, Wyoming down to New Mexico? Yes. So we're talking about this area where Yellowstone would be like the very center of that. Mm-hmm. It's somewhere in there, but he's he has said it's somewhere north of Santa Fe. Right. So we do know that it's somewhere north of Santa Fe, somewhere in the Rockies. Mm-hmm. So where the warm waters halt. Also, I wanted to mention there is a second book that he wrote that's yeah. called... Too Far to Walk? Too Far to Walk. Yes. And in that book... He has a copy of the poem as well, but he also has a map that Mm -hmm. it's overlaid on top of. And this, he basically, you know, has all this stuff highlighted, okay, this area of the map. And he says it's somewhere in there, which covers four states. (laughs) Yeah. So. Super easy. Yeah, like a section of four states, but (laughs) still four states. Yes. Where the warm waters halt. What does that mean to you, Joe? I mean, are we talking some kind of a geyser? Are we talking about a geyser that is dead and no longer goes and that's why it's halted? Could be, or it could be a major river that brings in warm water, stops, and disperses through smaller little streams. Right. I've also heard uh, people discuss and talk about certain types of 
lakes and things like that, mm-hmm. where the warm waters, they get so warm that they literally have fish kills every summer. Right. They've been talking about that. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's where you start. Maybe. But it seems to be through most of the, the clues and what he's talked about, basically you can pull in, drive to some sort of trailhead. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's what I'm thinking. Get out of your car at, at a parking lot. Take a mile or two hike. Right. In some direction. In some direction. And that's on a trail. On probably. some sort of trail, but it has to be hiked on. Right. And and it is within a, probably a few miles. Yeah. All right. Are we good with number one? Sure. All right. So let's move to number two. Mm-hmm. Canyon down too far to walk. Okay. Obviously, it is somewhere down a, some sort of canyon. Right or so near a canyon, near maybe? a canyon, overlooking, going down a canyon. Now, what? It, but the interesting thing to me is too far to walk. Okay, right. It's and now is that the driving part? Not too far, no, no, but no. too far to walk. Driving to that canyon or that that start point. Maybe right. he's re-referencing your start point. Mm-hmm. A, th- a lot of things I've read says. He's a wordsmith, and he's super smart with his poems. And his and, uh, double entendres. Right, right. So right. maybe he's going back to, it's too far to walk to get to the start point. So you right. have to drive there first. Right. Then back to number one. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, but he has also said, wow, we're really getting into this, yeah, Joe, aren't we? that's what I'm saying. We're, we're <laughs> like, amateur sleuths here. Yeah. He has said that you don't go back because they are all in sequential, sequential order. Right. So you start with number one, go through number nine. Okay. You know, and that's where, and you will find it. So if it's too far to walk, then that means kayak? Canoe? Okay. Well, this is what I'm thinking. Now, I, I read this somewhere on, on like a message board. I've, I've been diving into this, Joe. <laughs> yeah, okay? yeah, I can tell. It's not too far, but too far to walk. Imagine if you, trail you can it? literally see where it could be somewhere in the woods. Okay. okay? Whether it's like in a cave or something like that. If mm-hmm. you could actually see that from the trailhead. Okay. okay? From, from that like, vantage point. From the vantage point that you're parked at. Mm-hmm. So it's not too far, but too far to walk. Meaning too far to walk because if you do walk, you're going to walk over a cliff and die. Oh, okay. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. It's too far to walk because you can't continue. So you're going to have to go down and around something in order to do it. So So you do have to walk, but not not a direct line. Not direct walking. Because if you walk, you're going to fall off a cliff. Sure. So you would have to go down and around some sort of canyon to get into the canyon to be able to find this. Okay. That would be my interpretation of it. I like that. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. You feeling good? Sure. Okay. Number three. And then number three is put in below the home of Brown. Now, is that below a porta potty? I well, <laughs> it could be. Actually, uh, that's another thing right. that I've heard is that people heard the home of Brown and <laughs> and started like our friend uh, Frank Tybush uh-huh. when he was doing an episode about the privy diggers. Yes, where they dig into privies right. in order to find right artifacts and things like that. Well, and and Forrest specifically said a few years later, look, it's not in a man-made structure. Right, it's not he near said, a man-made structure. It's not associated with a man-made structure. Stop digging up. Porta potties, stop digging up near ranger stations because it's not there. Like it's not in old privies and, and, right. and, right. So we know that that's the truth. And mainly I think he did that because he doesn't want people wrecking buildings. The nat- Well, and, and the natural beauty of Yellowstone. Right. He wants you out there searching, out right. there looking. So but part not, of his. Not tearing the cobblestone off the sides of buildings, you know, <laughs> right. and, and things like that. Yeah. Also, on that note. There are four other additional clues. We'll get to every one of them, but 
on this note, the treasure is not also in a graveyard. Right. He also did say it's not in a graveyard. So right. he doesn't want people desiccating graves, which is, you know, pretty good on his part. <laughs> yeah. I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Stop desiccating privies and stop desecrating graves because right. it's not there. Right. And it's not in a building. The fourth clue. Now, this is the generally accepted clue. We don't, you know what I mean? Like, there could be other clues hidden mm-hmm. in that. The nine clues could be wrong than what we generally accept. Well, no, he actually said there are nine clues within right, the poem. But, but these are the ones that are generally accepted within what's written yes. in his poem. Right. But they could but, be the wrong ones. But And he's also said that there are more clues in the first book, Thrill right. the Chase. Yeah. That no one, I guess, no one has sussed out yet. Well, people have been sussing things out, Joe. People have been reading it and trying to figure it out. Right. I mean, for the past I, I mean, I eight honest, years. But I honestly think it is a childhood area that he grew up with or knows about and mm-hmm. it, it holds some fascination or some meaning to him. Right. Well, that's probably in that first book. Yeah. I'm just saying. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm just... Okay. Well, clue number four, no mm-hmm. place for the meek. Okay. Well, that's pretty much anywhere outside away from a telephone or a TV or your heaters or anything like that. Yeah. One of the, one of the things that he, he has uh, been quoted as saying was, he wanted to get people away from their TVs, yeah, and get outside into the into the air, the and, elements, you know, yeah. and enjoy it, yeah, you know. It's like you guys just invited us to a, a camping trip, right? Mm-hmm. I we probably won't do it because it's a car camping trip. Oh come on, so what? <laughs> but that's not. It'll camping. be an easy one for you. Yeah, you can just blow right by it. That is not camping, my that's friend. Camping, you get out <laughs> no. of the car and you're camping. <laughs> So you can do that in the side of the road. Yeah, well. You can do it next to a McDonald's. It doesn't matter. I mean, you <laughs> no. know, it's, it's still camping, camping. Camping is taking the stuff that you want on your back, hiking a few miles away from noise, people, and everything around, and being all alone in the middle of the woods and sleeping on the ground. All right, Joe, you and I might have a couple of different ideas of camping, right. but at least when I say camping, I'm not sleeping in a camper. No, okay? That's true. So at least right. I'm not there. Okay. You know? But so, I understand Forrest's mentality with that. With no place for the meek. I, right. I also want to say that there are a few guys. Now, the meek is, uh, well, go back to number three here for a second. Okay. Uh, home of Brown. The B. Brown Bears? Well, the B in Brown is capitalized. It is. That's a weird one. Well, no. If he's a quote unquote wordsmith. Right. That would mean it is a either ownership or a title. Yeah. So maybe it is part of the Rangers. I believe or that, the like, Bears. I found uh, that, like someone was talking about that. There's like a John Brown Creek mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. something like that, right? Like, whoa, right. really? Yeah. Like there is a John Brown Creek near that area. So maybe it's home there's of also the like a like some sort of boat lift. Like uh, I don't, we live in you know near the water, right? Yes. So like a boat drive in. Mm-hmm. Okay, where you would take and back your boat into a boat ramp. Yes. You know, there's some sort of boat ramp called the Brown Put-In. Okay. It is an area where you, you know, would put your boat into the water. Right. And a lot of people have thought, you know, Maybe there is that? a line as I go in there, right? Okay. At the very beginning, mm-hmm. as I go in there, they, they're thinking, you know, that mixed with the Brown might oh, be the Brown you... Put-In. Okay, so he goes in the water 
at the brown pudding. I don't know. I don't know. I, yeah, no, I'm, I'm just, these are all speculations. Right, yeah. So, okay, so no place for the meek. There's also a few guys who were like fur traders mm-hmm. and things like that. There's a guy, I believe his name was Joseph Meek mm-hmm. that I was reading about. And he actually wrote a book where he was, was traveling around Yellowstone. Uh, mm-hmm. He was actually, I believe his caravan was attacked by Native Americans. In the 1800s? And had, yeah, and he had to like run away from them. I mean, mm-hmm. no place for the meek. There is a guy that wrote about Yellowstone, last name Meek. Now, Meek in Fenn's poem is not capitalized. Capitalized as per a name or a... Like Brown is. Right. We don't know. Okay. Clue number six or accepted clue number six. No paddle up your creek. Okay. So he used a motorboat. Or how about (laughs) he's trying to say you don't need to paddle up this creek. Okay. Either A, you don't need to get into the water at all. Right. Okay. Or B, it's some sort of dry creek bed. Oh, yeah. Ooh. Or it could be a double entendre. Or it could be, yeah. I don't know. I'm I'm just putting it out there. Mm -hmm. Maybe you have to do a little walk during the dry creek bed. One of the things that he's also been quoted as saying is to wait until after the winter is over, until all the snows have melted, until the the mud has dried before you go out and search for this treasure. So that's what I'm thinking. Maybe some sort of dry creek bed. But he's also been quoted as saying that the treasure is probably somewhere kind of wet. He has. Yeah, yeah, he has. Now, that was like a, a clue that he actually put out for, I believe it was and like... And he re- like regretted it or something. Yeah, it was, <laughs> so was like, it was like an interview that he had with, I think, like the Santa Fe News or right, something like right. that, where he was talking about it. And he said, well, you know, I know the treasure is out there and I know it's probably wet. And then he was right. like, you know, there's some things in this interview that I wish I hadn't <laughs> have said. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, I'm gonna make sure that that's on the show notes. That was a that was a pretty funny thing. Yeah, it was. He was like, "But I said it. Oh well." Yep. You know? It's out there now. Yeah. So, clue number seven: heavy loads, high water. Okay. Ha. <sighs> I don't know where to go with that. Now, mind you, this treasure, ten by ten by six treasure chest, probably weighed in around forty pounds, mm-hmm. maybe forty five, and he was. Somewhere in his late 70s, early 80s when he did this. Right. 40 pounds for a 70-year-old, 80-year-old man to hike a few miles with. Kind of a bit of a heavy load. I don't know if you know this. I mean, did you read about it? He actually did take two trips. Yeah. He said he took two trips to take this treasure. So he took the treasure chest. Right, and okay. then the treasure, <laughs> and then the treasure, <laughs> and then regretted it when he went back. Yeah, no, right. I'm well, but but so he definitely took two trips. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying, if I go like ice skating for an afternoon, right, I freaking hurt, man. Oh yeah, you know yeah. what I mean. This 80 year old man put me and to you, shame walking around the. And you're the, only like what 45 now? Yeah, I'm 40, man. Come on now. <laughs> Jeez. Okay, so heavy loads, high water. Um, so heavy loads, high water. So maybe he went at high water. Like you said, dry creek bed, right? high water, maybe water was seeping into the dry creek bed. Maybe that was the water line, the water mark. Right, but what's the heavy loads? The treasure. Is it near some sort of quarry where, oh, it could be. where heavy loads are being pulled out of it? It could be, yeah. The idea of heavy loads, maybe near some sort of heavy boulder. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. near a heavy load. Like Crest of Butt? Yeah. Crest of Butte? <laughs> I don't know. We're, we're just kind of speculating, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's there's nothing else that we can do because we don't even live in uh, Santa Fe or well, New Mexico I've, or I mean, I've lived in Colorado and in Texas, and I've known about this story for a while. Right. And when you told me about it, like, to do it as an episode, I was like, well, why? 
Right. Like, I mean, because it's, for me, it's an eccentric, older, very well-off person. It feels sort of like a, a gimmick, a marketing Who gimmick. Who wants to start some sort of legacy or whatever. Yeah, right? But yeah. here's the thing. But uh, reading more about him, mm-hmm. like, my that was my first impression. I was like, oh, it's just some rich old dude trying to be, you know, I don't know, altruistic or, or philanthropistic or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Right. He's trying to give back to a person. I don't know. Okay, I agree with you. Reading more into it, I'm like, okay, well, he does have a nice, interesting history where he enjoys being outside. Right. And, he enjoys... And, and the books that he wrote, okay, mm-hmm. he self-published them. Right. So uh, the reviews that I've... Not reviews, but the things that I've heard about the books that he has self-published and put out, mm-hmm. he's barely making enough money every printing that he does one of these and puts mm-hmm. it out. He's barely making enough money... To basically print the books. So it's like us doing this podcast. Yeah, yeah. Basically, it's us doing the podcast, right? right. Like, we're just making enough money to probably... Not want to uh, completely quit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, but that's basically what he's doing with those. But because he made his fortune somewhere else. Right. Just right. like we're doing. We're making our fortune somewhere else. Are we? No, not I'm, at all. Well, I'm planning a trip. Scraping by, buddy. I'm planning a trip to find this damn treasure. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. <laughs> I, do you, what are you doing Let's next? Let's do a video. What are you doing this uh, <laughs> this summer? You got uh, anything? Nothing. Uh, me neither. Let's I, go. I got like four weeks of work I can take <laughs> off. Sweet. Number eight. Okay. That's where you'll see the blaze. Now, the blaze can be any number of things. The first trailblazers, like Lewis and Clark, mm-hmm. One of the things they learned from Native Americans was how they would mark their trails. Right. They would either use things called thong trees, or they would take a young sapling and bend it over in this sort of sideways S. Mm -hmm. And that was like the trail that they knew, like a river was down that, that way. Or it was a good hunting trail or something. It was a Native American way of marking a trail. Right. They would scrape off big chunks of a, a large oh, tree. Right. And that was the blaze. That's where you get the tr- the term blazing a trail. Right, cuz you would you would basically take your your knife or whatever, you'd take a big chunk of the right. of the bark off. Right. And, and that, it wouldn't take grow very well. It, yeah, it's going it's going to take years for that tree to grow that bark back. Right. But even it, when it does grow back, it is still a very noticeable mark. It is a marked trail. Right, a blazed trail. Right. So it could be a mark on a tree as a, a, a state park blaze. Right. Any state park, you're going to have usually spray paint in a rectangle of the color of trail that you're on. Mm-hmm. Any state park. Or it could be a blaze that he knew about, or it could be a, I don't know, the, the blaze of the sun coming up over the horizon and hitting the rocks at a certain time in the day. There's also, like, I, lo- I looked up specifically the, like, definition of blaze. Mm-hmm. And, of course, you have fire mm-hmm. being a blaze, some sort of blaze of fire. Mm-hmm. You also have, uh, so, I mean, what would burn eternally like that? The sun. The sun. Right. right. The only thing that you could Longer think of. Longer than us. Right. Then, of course, the trail marking blaze and then mm. a blaze of color. Like, yes. as in the flowers are are right. blazed in all different colors. Right. Or when fall first hits, you see that one tree out in the middle of the woods that is bright effing orange. Right. Mm-hmm. It's a blaze of orange or right. a blaze of red. So then that leading into number nine, which would be quickly look down. What if it is a rock face? Mm-hmm. A sheer rock face where maybe one of the parts of that rock face is heavy in iron. So it is a streak of iron, reddish, brown color. 
And then right below it is, I don't know, like a cave or something. Mm-hmm. Maybe That you can look that. into some yeah. sort of... Or it's an overlook, an overpass, a hairpin turn on, on a trail. Right. Maybe it's something like that. Now, here's here's the thing. Since we're at clue number nine, mm-hmm. uh, there are a few things that we, we do know people have actually gotten somewhere near it because they have sent Forrest emails, okay? Right. Now, one of the things that he did do was he originally put his phone number into right. his book, right. okay, along with his email. And mm-hmm. then in subsequent versions, he right. took the phone Publishers. number out yeah. and just left the email. Like, Maybe that was a dumb idea. So he's basically like, if you want to try and email me and talk to me and tell me about things that you've seen your or your travels, your travels, yeah. you know, I mean, he, and I, I truly think that this is what like the altruistic part of it is. Mm-hmm. Sure. He's giving the world this two million or so dollars yeah, okay, but in a treasure chest. But if he's raking in five, six million a year in, in revenue from his businesses. Then who cares? Right. Right. Uh, but I think that the truly altruistic part of it is the fact that he's giving this adventure mm-hmm. to everyone. Mm-hmm. That's what he wants. I think so. And he wants to give this adventure to everyone out there so that they can go out just like when he was a kid and he went out into the wilderness and tried to find adventure. Right. He wants you to try and find adventure. Right, exactly. And if you find this chest, great. Good if you, on you. If, if you. If you don't find it, at least you found adventure. Mm-hmm. Part of it too, like I used to work at Home Depot. And when I worked at Home Depot, I was I worked in like the, the tool section and stuff like that. So I had... You know, lots of people come in and ask me about tools and what's good about this and better and whatever. You know, my favorite was when these old guys would come in. You know what I mean? These like 70-year-old, 80-year-old guys would come in and they would talk to me about the tools. And I would realize after I've been sitting there for five, ten minutes talking to them and I'm like, you know, I really got to get back to work. They didn't give a shit about the tools. They didn't. They just really enjoyed talking to somebody. Right. And I feel like... (laughs) Then at this point, he's an older guy, you know, sure, he's got his wife and everything, but Mm -hmm. he's just really enjoying this like pen pal kind of thing with these people, writing emails back and forth. And I think he's sort of enjoying that a little bit, Probably, you know, like sitting back and and, and just thinking, I've done something. At least I've done something. There are also a handful of other clues that he is, I guess, released to the world. Mm -hmm. The treasure is hidden higher than 5,000 feet above sea level. So it kind of narrows it down a bit. Yeah, but I think he also said it was below like 10,500. Right. Uh, so feet. so it's a narrow margin. Well, right. But I think his point was is not at the top of very top of a mountain. Exactly. It's not at like the tippy top, very right. top of a mountain. That's not where it is. But it's higher than 5,000 feet. And in the Rockies, that's a lot of areas. Right. And, and you know, also, you cannot dismiss the fact that it had to be an 80-year-old man that hiked in twice in an afternoon to do in this. In one afternoon. In one afternoon. Right. He has specifically come out and said, I did this in one afternoon, hiked to the location, mm-hmm. dropped the treasure chest off, came back, and dropped it off again. Yeah. And apparently the treasure chest is unlocked. Yeah, of course it is. Why would he lock he it? He didn't lock it. It's just completely unlocked there, right. sitting there. Also... He has said that the treasure is not hidden in Idaho or Utah. All right. So that okay. narrows that down. So it's not in the zone of death? <laughs> right. Oh, well, we'll get to we'll that, get to that at a later date. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a different episode entirely. Yeah. And like I said before, it is not associated with any man-made structure, 
not in a graveyard. Is there any other clues that he he's thrown out in the past uh, few he years? He has said that it is wet. It, it is, is pro- wet. at least probably wet or moist. M- probably moist. But I'm <laughs> thinking what he's saying is is if it's sitting that out there in the elements, right. okay? It's not necessarily sitting in in water. It's not necessarily buried under a stream. Right. However, it is open to the elements. So, right. it I mean, everything in the Rockies is wet. He also said that it was where you will find the treasure. You should be able to look out and see mountains. Mm-hmm. You should be able to look out and see I believe he said uh, he said pinion smell pinion nuts pine nuts yeah like yeah pine nuts not pinion nuts yeah it's pinion I like a roast pinion nut mixed (laughs) with my basil to make some pesto Uh anyway you should be able to look out and see animals yes and smell the sunshine and the fairies and things like that I don't sure I think that's what he said I I, I'm paraphrasing (laughs) so an internet search for all of this stuff will bring up something like 19,000 different results from things like photographs, maps, topographical maps, guides, blogs, essays, and videos, and tons and tons more. Something like 8,000 people on Facebook groups follow Forrest Fenn and the whole treasure thing. 2,400 members on a treasure hunting forum and other forums kind of like Chase Chat. Mm-hmm. I searched a little bit on that earlier. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. 1,600 regular contributors on Reddit just about the Forest Fen treasure. 350,000 people have gone in search of this chest as of today. I saw that Forrest figured from the emails that he's getting and things like that, mm-hmm. that at least 65,000 people. Well, yeah, but that's just his his estimate. Right. Just his estimate is 65,000 people across the world have joined the search in, in one extent or another. But that's, again, that's just his perspective. Right. For how many emails he's getting in and, right. and stuff like that. Right. So all totaled, some 350,000. Right. That's a lot of effing people. To go hunting for one little box. I, I don't know what it is. I'm fascinated more by the bronze box than anything, mm-hmm, right? I, mm-hmm. I, I was like, when did this come from? Because I saw it was like Romanesque, but right. it was actually like from medieval times. So by the ch- by the chest itself, mm-hmm. when he bought it, it was worth $25,000. Okay. So he paid $25,000 just for the chest. Right. So if you just found the chest alone, yeah. you'd have a good chunk of change. Yeah. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Have a nice down payment for a house. Triple, quadruple that for inflation. You're yeah. talking like sixty, seventy thousand $70,000 for a chest. Right. And uh, they asked him whether, you know, in an interview, like, is there a time limit on discovering the treasure? And uh, he said uh, about 10,000 years seem right. (laughs) That's about right. Until the gold turns to dust. Right. I believe also he said that inside of the inside of there, there was also a bag of Alaskan gold dust, Mm -hmm. like from panners. You know what I mean? Like not just the nuggets, but also just a gold dust, Alaskan gold dust. Mm -hmm. Like this is the cool, because this is so cool. Yeah. Like I collect stuff, you know. Oh yeah, I know. I have my own little oddities collection. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? But like having that's this is awesome. Yeah. Sadly, three people have died in the hunt for the treasure, and this is pretty much in the past two or three years. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, And I mean, it was only really recently. Uh, that, that this started happening. 2016, Randy Bilyeu, Bilyeu. He was reported missing by his ex-wife, Linda Bayou just about a week after he went missing. His raft 
and dog, Leo, were spotted on the riverbank by helicopter crews just a day later. Throughout the following days, New Mexico State Police searched the nearby canyons and mesas and eventually suspended their efforts. Bayou isn't the only victim. Uh, a woman in Texas got lost uh, near Bandelier National Monument for the treasure in New Mexico in 2013, mm -hmm. and she was rescued after spending a night lost in the mountains. But oh. Bayou was the, was the first one to actually pass away. Right. They believe that he was on the raft mm -hmm. with his dog when the raft went over, and uh, he never surfaced. Ah. Bayou was a Colorado resident, and he was seen buying an inflatable raft, raft, a compass, and a wetsuit on January 5th before setting out onto the river. Hmm. And it was a week later when they, when they found him. So during this, Finn emphasized safety for treasure hunters. Anyone who goes into the mountain should be prepared and use a GPS and always be aware of possible dangers. Many people don't have experience hiking in the mountains, but that doesn't mean they shouldn't stay home. Just be careful and don't get extended. I mean, you could totally understand this after a few people have, have passed away. Right. 2017, Pastor Paris Wallace... So he was a Grand Junction pastor. He was uh, like a pastor to the youth. In fact, I found a few pictures of him giving people, uh, what was it when they dunk you in the water? The baptism yes. and stuff like that. Uh, he basically went out into into the water again, searching for it and didn't make it out, you didn't know, and, you know, and they, they eventually found his body and, and definitely ID'd him. And then, uh, of course, there's the, the latest victim. 2017, Eric Ashby. Yeah, so that was June 28th, 2017. Eric Ashby, he was missing in the Arkansas River while reportedly searching for the treasure. Four weeks or so after afterward, human remains were found on the river in Fremont County, just a shy of six months later. Wow. Uh, they've been identified as Ashby. He's the third person from Colorado that they that has been in the past year and a half that mm -hmm. has passed away. Now, here's the here's the interesting part about all that. You know, it's really sad. And I, 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 my heart goes out to their families. Mm -hmm. Okay, but one of the things that Fen said, and I totally agree with this, okay, he... He, he has really thought about it. And, you know, he some of their wives have been saying, you, you need to stop this, right. that it's a hoax. Right. And he swears that it's not. He mm -hmm. has proof that people have seen it right. before he went out and out into Man, the woods he, to drop it off. He even photographed it? He photographed it, and it's on the back of his book. Right, right. You know, he's saying it's out there, and he's saying people die in swimming pools. That's okay? true. All yeah. the time, and we're not sucking the water out of them. Right. Okay? People break their legs when they're hiking. Mm -hmm. Okay? Things are dangerous. Right. But that does not mean that you should stop them. Right, right. I mean, local police have pressured Forrest to halt the treasure hunt. Basically, go pick it up, tell everybody it's off, you're done. Right. However, <laughs> local politicians in his area use the treasure hunt as a, a tourist location. Right. They promote the shit out of it and say, come to our area and try to find Forrest's treasure. Because they're going to be staying in a hotel. They're exactly. going to be, yeah, absolutely. Why but, wouldn't you? But the local police are like, you're, we don't want anybody hurt. Rangers are like, please be safe. Everybody's trying to make sure everybody's having a good time, but also being safe. Okay, but people are going to die whitewater rafting anyway. I, I know. They are. They're going to go under. And he said specifically, bring a friend. Bring a buddy. Right. Don't go by yourself. Right. Don't do not do that. And these all these guys, have they've gone out by themselves. Maybe because they're greedy. Yeah, maybe. But <laughs> they, they don't want to split it 50-50. You know, they're, they're mainly like these are drownings that are yes. happening. It's not like uh, someone has broken a leg and died out there from, from the elements. Right. So, Joe, this is, 
This is kind of a weird one. You know, you think about, you know, the people that are passing away, mm -hmm. uh, you know, that they're in danger, you know, maybe in danger of black bears or uh, brown bears, brown bears. Brown bears. Okay. Another idea for Home of Brown, right? That's, yeah, I said that earlier. Mr. Brown, the brown bears, mm -hmm. you know, out there. But Forrest and his family have had their own problems as oh, well. Yeah. He gets uh, like death threats and stuff. He gets and... death threats. He, I believe he has a uh, restraining order against a Texas man right oh. now because he sent some death threats mm. uh, and got a hold of some of his information. But also his granddaughter huh? was in some trouble. Well, not, she wasn't in, well, I guess she was in trouble, but she wasn't in trouble with the law. The Santa Fe County Sheriff's deputies extradited a, no a Nevada man accused of stalking the adult granddaughter of Forrest Fenn. Wow. And sending threatening messages to Fenn, saying that his granddaughter is the long-sought treasure readers have been seeking. What? His name was Francisco, or Paco, Chavez, 46, of Henderson, Nevada. He pleaded not guilty, had a misdemeanor charge of stalking the woman, and online court records show after the deputies transported him from jail in Nevada on Thursday. Or, well, I'm reading the article. I apologize. Right, right. He was released the following Friday night from Santa Fe on a $50,000 bond. But what happened was he wound up getting an ankle monitor. Okay. And that was like part of his thing, house arrest. He had an ankle monitor. But he basically tampered with the ankle monitor. And now he's serving jail time because wow. of it. So. Yeah. So after months of correspondence between Fenn and the man who appeared to be obsessed with the writer's granddaughter, the man came to Santa Fe several times that year in search of the woman. He went to the, her mother's house twice, apparently stopping by the granddaughter's workplace. A package he sent to Fenn contained photos of his granddaughter with disturbing messages written on them that wow. he had taken, as well as a map of where the man believed she she lived and a note saying that he solved Fenn's riddle and determined the treasure was his granddaughter. Wow. So, wacko. <laughs> yeah. So the law has, has not always been on Forrest Fenn's side. Mm -hmm. The FBI raided Fenn's home in 2009 as part of an investigation into the artifact looting from the Four Corners area, which is Colorado, Utah, Arizona, New Mexico. Okay. Two people. Isn't, there's there's an actual spot where you can stand on, yeah. on like all Yeah, four when states, I lived in right? Colorado, I, I really, really, really wanted to drive down there, but yeah. I just never had the time. Yeah. But yeah, you can pretty much hop to all four you states. You can stand on all four states at the same yeah. time. There's it's like a little cool. marker. Yeah. So two people in that investigation actually committed suicide. Holy. 23 people have been arrested since 2006 from the investigation and the connection with the sale of some 335 thousand dollars worth of looted artifacts and antiques from the four corners area fenn has never been charged with any of these involved sales or thefts but the fbi does have an open file on him so do you think that it's really more of like uh he got some of these artifacts and didn't necessarily know where they were from or could that be. they were looted could be yeah, well, man, archaeology is a weird thing. It is. You know, is. I mean, you can't just necessarily dig without permits and things oh, like right. that. So that's basically what it is. People were looting. They were digging through some sort of archaeological area area without yeah. without permission. Right. And the, it's like the, poaching, almost. Right. And some people think that the chest may contain items that are subject to federal scrutiny because of the Native American relics. And often those Native American sites are dug up illegally and sold 
to unknowing or knowing buyers. Right. So, and because that falls under federal jurisdiction, some of those artifacts that he might have in that chest might fall within that. Right. Either knowing or unknowing. Also, some of the pictures that mm-hmm. uh, that Chavez sent, Montoya, who was a an officer on the case, described the two pictures in the package sent to Fenn. One, he says, had stickers of hearts on it and a treasure chest with a shoe on it and a message that had r- written, one shoe can change your life, Cinderella, me. <laughs> what? He, he's basically trying to, like, invoke the story of Cinderella in this. Like, like wow. I, I'm going to give you the shoe that's going to change your life. Wow, what a creepo. Yeah. Oh God. And and you're just trying to You're trying to you're trying to start a treasure to, hunt. Yeah. You know what exactly. I mean? And you know, all all the creepos come out oh, from, from another interesting thing. Did you have you heard that uh apparently they have a like a Fen get together every year for the past three years? Really? Apparently this year it's gonna be canceled because like the guy who did it just doesn't have time. He has too much cattle ranching to do or okay. whatever. But yeah, they call it like it was the I believe it was the Fenbury. Fenbury. And they, yeah, every year they basically, if they have it close to New Mexico, mm-hmm. Fen was close to Santa Fe, Fen has shown up to it. Oh, right And on. he's signed the books and things like that and yeah, yeah. talked about it. And, you know, people are like, come on, if you just want to tell me where it is, you know, yeah, things like nudge, that. Nudge. Yeah. And he, he just, he's shown up and it's basically like a potluck. Oh, where right everybody on. gets That's together, cool. like treasure hunters will, will come as far as like Pennsylvania and Virginia and stuff like that and, mm-hmm. and come out looking for it. And they're nice. all get together and start looking. Nice. You know, and Fenn's gone to it a, a couple of times. So that's kind of neat. Yeah, yeah. And like I said before, like there are, if you really, really, really want to dive deep into this, there's lots. Oh, there there's so much. Lots of stuff. Books. So there's The Thrill of the Chase, which was 2010 by Forrest Fenn. Too Far to Walk, Forrest Fenn, 2013. And then there's a myriad of other speculative books. The Chase Four Forest Fens Treasure by Trent Rousseau. Okay, but these books now that you're talking about, these yeah. are all written by people who have looked for it. Right. And haven't found it. Right. <laughs> Just exactly. pointing that out. That's why I said speculative, you know, like maybe I got a few I, ideas. I think I know where it might be. By my book. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. They're, they're trying to make a fortune somehow. Right. Or at least a little bit of money. Yeah. The title to the gold, Find Forest Fens Treasure... The Clues and Answers by Andrew Briggs, and that was 2015. Mm-hmm. There's even a documentary film that was made in 2017 called The Lure. Really? I haven't seen that. I, well, I couldn't find it anywhere streaming. You have to go to their site and you have to buy it. And I'm not doing that. I also want to say I went to I, – I would try to find – Fenn's books, mm-hmm. okay? And I was going to just at least buy them and peruse through them on, like, Kindle. Right. And not there. Did you go to his actual website? No. Old Santa Fe Trading Company? No, I didn't. Yeah. Go to his site. All of his books are on sale there. You can buy them directly from Forrest Fenn. Really? hmm That's what I'm going to do. Yeah. But I am also going to take some affiliate links from Amazon and put it <laughs> on. Course. And that's where you, the listener, should buy it from. Yes. Through our Amazon links, affiliate links. Because mm-hmm. then we might get a little bit of scratch. We might. We so might. we can plan a trip to go find Forest Fence Treasure. <laughs> and, and we will share it with you. Yeah. On the audio. Yeah. Where we talk about it. Yeah. That's how we'll share it. 40-40-10. <laughs> that's how we'll split it. <laughs> Okay, so just to give you guys, you maybe treasure-seeking hunters out there, some hope. 
I found a few other treasures that were just happenstance just found. Okay. Just randomly found. The Curdale Horde treasure was found. I like a good horde. Yeah. It was found in 1840 near Preston, England. Some $3.2 million worth of treasure of... Most of it dates back to, like, the Vikings. Mm-hmm. The Strata treasure was found in 1988. Maybe that's where Forrest got his his, uh, his idea. idea. Yeah. In a little Polish town called Strata Slaka, some $120 million Holy worth sh- of treasure that was just unearthed because they were demolishing an old building. That's crazy. And it dates back to, like, the 14th century. The Stratford Horde... Found in 2009 near Stratfordshire, England, $4.1 million. The treasure dates back to probably the 8th century. And the Hoxney treasure found in 1992 near Hoxney, England, $3.8 million. And most of the stuff dates back to the 4th and the 5th century. That's nuts. And all these things were just found. They were just buried and found. Right. Dug up. Right. So... Forrest is giving you clues. It's giving us clues. These things were just found. And I mean, he's giving you like a four state area. Yeah. To be able to look. We should be able to find this, Joe. That's easy, right? With GPS and cell phones nowadays. So apparently, (laughs) apparently he also talks in his books. And I haven't, like I said, I haven't read them. So, but I did find a a little article about it and a a video where he Mm -hmm. was like talking to the Santa Fe News. He does a lot of talking to the Santa Fe News. I'm telling you, go to the old Santa Fe Trading Company website. Yeah. He does like a little uh, like blog thing. Mm-hmm. Some of the memoirs in there that he's jotted down, either from the books or just off the cuff. Right. They're awesome. Right. Like the time he met Jackie O and like all these different things. And you're just like, dudes live some life. That's awesome. <laughs> so one of the things that he's been doing is he's been taking and and he takes these brass bells. Uh-huh. Have you have you heard about this? No, no, no. He's been taking and he he's been casting these brass bells with different inscriptions running around the outside of them, and they're these very large, like I I don't even know, like they look like they're they're kind of cylindrical, and they have a little dinger inside, and there are these brass bells, uh-huh. and he's been writing different words of wisdom on the outside of them, and he said he said he had something like forty or fifty made, mm-hmm. and. Every time he goes out, he finds one, he, you know, he finds an area he likes and he buries it four feet deep. And Hmm. the reason why he buries it three to four feet deep is because he does not want someone with a a metal detector to find it. Oh, nice. He's burying it so deep that a metal detector can't find it. He wants someone to- Ground penetrating radar. Right. He wants someone to (laughs) dig into it. Right. Uh, when they're building like the foundation for a house or right. something like that. Okay. Right. And inside of it, basically he he's, has like these gallon mason jars with a brass lid that, uh-huh. so it won't rust or whatever. Right. He puts this bell inside and then he puts a copy of his book inside of it, closes it up and Shameless digs it and, plug. <laughs> and, and buries it. You know, so so someone will find it a century from now uh-huh. or whatever and and pick it up and read it and, and be able to have it. And, and go, still look for his treasure. And still look for his treasure <laughs> or well, there whatever. Are, there are some people out there who think it's a hoax. Mm-hmm. A few years ago, there w- there was someone who claimed, I think it was last year, they claimed they had found the spot. Right. They had found the spot where the treasure was. The treasure wasn't but there. But it wasn't there. Right. And I think later on, Forrest chimed in in an interview and said, great job. You're an outside thinker. La, da, 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 da. That's not the spot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I mean... Who knows? Yeah, he said, like, this fits your clues to a T. 
Right. Right. And couldn't find it. Right. But that's not. That's not, not, not where it's I put it. It's not the spot. That's not where I put it. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's a modern day treasure hunt that has a lot of intrigue and silliness and and danger to it. Well, but. he he has said through the correspondence that he's had, mm. and people have told him different places where they've been because he just takes all the emails and he'll write you back. Oh yeah, but there there are some people that have gone. 60, 70, 100 times. Right. And they live all over the the states and all over the world in search for this treasure. Right. Well, he, he has said that he knows of people, a few people who have been within two to, to 500, 500 feet, feet right. of where it was and did not find it. Right. He didn't tell them that. No. He didn't tell them who they were. Right. But he knows that someone has been that close. Right. Which is, I mean, that's pretty exciting. Yeah. It's no no cigar, but it's pretty exciting. <laughs> right. It is no cigar. So I'm, I'm serious. When can we plan a trip? I, yeah. We need to start funding the Curioso better. <laughs> let's do the trip. You want to you wanna go for a, a trip? I'm, I'm just saying. Old I'm, Santa Fe? And, I'm just saying. Let's go take a trip and we'll poke, you know, Forrest and be like, hey, uh, mm, give me uh, a clue. I think we could find it in five days, right? I think so. I actually found an article on Vox where it was like two or three of the reporters mm. decided to go out and look oh, for it. And yeah, they, and they did some video and yeah, they had like they three had different versions or three different ideas and they've searched all three still came up bupkis yeah within <laughs> five five yeah so right even though that he says that it's in the area we we pretty much think that it's also not actually in yellowstone park itself right well i think i don't think he wanted to disturb anything in the state park right uh, also because it's illegal because it's not public property yeah considered you know state yeah so i don't think it it might border i think it does i think it does i think it's like right outside of there yeah or at at the very least but it's not inside of yellowstone because a lot of the things that i've read about park rangers inside yellowstone they're complaining they're like stop bringing your metal detectors they're illegal here Mm -hmm. stop digging stuff up stop bringing your pickaxes and your shovels yeah you you can't do that yeah Enjoy the nature. Yeah. Yeah. It is illegal to take things in and out of state parks. Right. That belong in state parks. Yeah. So that's why I don't think it's actually in Yellowstone itself. Right. As I have gone alone in there, Joe. Mm Mm-hmm. But we haven't gone alone. We've gone together. (laughs) Yeah, kind of. (laughs) Would you want to go together? I think we should. should, I'm telling you. You We should go and get the damn treasure. Let's do some more, you know, let's let's do a little figuring out mm-hmm. where some other people have been. Right. And let's go somewhere else. <laughs> yeah, some triangulation and go, oh, they went there? Let's go over Let's here. go somewhere else. Yeah, I mean, and there let's are maps. Let's try and figure it out. There are maps of topographical areas where they've they've pinpointed the, the, the locations where all of the peaks are above 5,000, below 10,000, like, They've done all this stuff, and they haven't done the simple things like drive up the road and go, oh, look over there, that big shiny rock. I'm going to go walk right by there. Right. So I got a question for you. Do you think that Forrest not only is just sitting there at his computer- Laughing hysterically. You know, and just (laughs) enjoying himself smugly, but do you think he's there just checking on Google Earth every once in a while? It's still there. You know what I mean? Like, is he just looking down on Google Earth, and he's like, there's the box. I think every Tuesday- (laughs) <laughs> he drives up and he pretends to go fishing. Right. You know, and it's like, oh, yep, that was another thing I, still I, there. I, I saw in an interview was, uh, was that he said that he was like a professional fishing instructor by the age of like 17 or something mm. like that. So he was help, like, he was like taking people out 
to go fly fishing and showing them how to do it right, as right. a teenager. You know what I mean? And showing them where to go and things like that. Yeah. That's, I mean, he, man, yeah, he's lived a lot of stuff. Yeah. I've never fly fished. You ever fly fished before? Uh, no. no. I don't, me I don't understand. You got to do that thing where you whip it. Yeah, you got to whip, whip it good. It good. <laughs> right. You know? nee, 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 nee. It, it's so weird. Yeah. So, all right. Well, what a weird way to end a podcast, Joe. <laughs> What's Talking about reference. fly fishing. Yeah. And, and uh, a little Devo. I don't know. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, to all you treasure hunters out there, mm-hmm. happy hunting. Thank you for listening to the Curioso Podcast. You can tweet us at Curioso Podcast. You can email us feedback at thecurioso.com. You can Facebook us, facebook.com backslash thecurioso podcast. Check out our merchandise on zazzle.com backslash curioso podcast. You can also check out our videos, youtube.com backslash curioso podcast. On the left-hand side of thecurioso.com, you can help support the show by clicking on our donate link. And if you're a real Curioso, we need you to go on and give us a great five-star review on iTunes. It will help us get more listeners, and it'll make you feel good about yourself. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm dead. Yeah, exactly. Chris killed himself. <laughs> Did you hear that? Yeah. You think the recording got all that? four vertebrae. My, my whole neck just went... <laughs> I just thought it would be rude to drop it on your carpet, and so I just kind of tucked it in my pocket. The It'll nose hair? Yeah. Oh. Well, oh, I can try and find it if you want. It's, you shut, you it's it, like this long. Yeah, but you put it in your pocket. I did. It's going to be in there. It's just going to mix in with all the lint. Right. Yeah.